Abandon fear and trust yourself Open up to all life's wealth Tap into a sixth sense With intuitive intelligence All right, so welcome, welcome, welcome to the Intuitive Intelligence podcast. I'm your host, Bernadette. I'm going to start with the opening prayer and then we're going to jump right into today's special interview where I'm actually in the hot seat being interviewed by Patreon Gold member Angie. So if you guys will together agree with me, Heavenly Father, give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and a heart to understand all you wish us to know. Help us co-create a life of love, joy, and compassion for ourselves and others keep all tech issues at bay and let this flow with spirit. We invite the angels in and we invite spirit to be present. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Angie. You've never done a podcast Hi. before, have you? No, I've never done it. Never done live before either. Well, that's okay because this is just a conversation and this will be exciting. And I thought it was very kind of cool that you were like, hey, I can interview you. And I'm like, hey, that'd be fun. So let's do it. Well, considering we were having, what, two-hour phone conversations, which I'm kind of known for, but I mean, it's like, there was so much that you were sharing with me. It's kind of like, you know, this is the good stuff that needs to get out there. And whereas I'm kind of new, you know, it's fresh for me. So right just on. trying to pull it out. And um, I got a chance to watch some of your videos and read part of your book and just to learn a little bit about your history and what you've been through. Um, I think it's interesting, we're both the same age, but you've traveled so much further than I have. And I love hearing about your experiences and what you've learned. And yeah, you've had to pay some dues for it. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. But what you've learned and being able to share and everything, it's like really awesome. Um, one of the things um, I've been learning about is manifesting mm -hmm. and um, being able to call to me the things that I want. Right. And I, I never understood that before. I was kind of brought up with the atmosphere of um, it's not proper to ask, you know, wait to receive. But instead, it's... Um, well, how you learned how to go about bringing the good stuff in for you. Right. Where did you first learn how to do that? What made you start with that? Um, so the first, which was really weird, this all happened kind of out of the blue. Um, this was pre-trauma with my daughter. Um, but during my separation from my ex-husband, I was working at two three jobs at the time I was waitressing one, one at the North shore country club, um, here in Tacoma as a waitress at the cafe. And I worked at red lobster as a waitress. And I also worked part time. I want to say at Denny's. I, I had like, I was yeah single mom trying to just make it, but my main job was at the North shore country club. And I had, it was the weirdest thing I had, um, met this guy, old man who came in every week, 
very old guy. He had dementia, Alzheimer's or whatever back then in the 90s. I don't know if they were calling it Alzheimer's. Um, but he lived with his daughter and he would come in and have the same. He would have every morning. I will never forget this guy. He had oatmeal. He had um, crispy English muffin, coffee and orange juice and water. That's every, and he would stay for three or four hours. He was a lovely old man. Um, one morning, his daughter called and he went missing. And she didn't know where he was. And um, I said, oh, he's here. I'll keep him here until you can come get him. She's like, I've been to meetings today. Somehow he escaped. <laughs> I was like, Aw. So I was like, no, he's here. He's safe. We'll feed him some dessert. Give him some ice cream. He'll be fine. And I'll just tell him he has to stay here. I'll keep an eye on him. And a couple weeks later, after this happened, this, he came in with a, um, a younger man and a younger man with the same name, which I don't want to say what is, but he, it turns out it was his son. And so he came and he said, you're the one that waits on my dad all the time. And I said, yeah, he's a super, so he goes, thank you for finding him and keeping him safe. Thank you for always taking care of him. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Right. I'm in my twenties. Like I'm a waitress. But he, um, then he said, there's something about you. Do you know how powerful you are? Now, it wasn't the first time I've heard this in my life. I've had other psychics tell me this um, just out of the blue. I've heard lots of people tell me this, but at that time, no, I didn't feel all that powerful. Um, and I didn't know what he was talking about, but I just listened and I'm like, whatever, you know, single mom going through a divorce and trying to, I'm strapped, trying to make it. I was going through a lot at that time. And he said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to come back for lunch. Are you going to be here? And I said, yeah, I guess I'm going to take my dad home. He needs to take a nap. I'm going to come back from, I have a gift for you. Okay. So he came back at lunch and it was, he probably came around two o'clock. It was right before I was getting off my shift because I worked at like 530 in the morning. I opened. So it was getting ready to turn to dinner and he brought with him a book. And he said, I want you to read this book. I'm on vacation visiting my family. I'm going to come back in a few days. I hope you're a good reader. We're going to talk about the book. And I'm like, right on, whatever. And he handed me the Celestian Prophecy. Okay. And I read it that night. And I was like, oh, my God, energy. Yeah, I get it. Cool. So when he came back in a few days later, just as just as he said, um, about the same time I sat down with him after I got off my shift, he waited for me and we talked and he said, what'd you think? I said, it's amazing. That's amazing. It answers so many questions I've had for so long. He said, do you know that you can create your reality? And I was like, no, what do you mean? And he said, well, you can. He said, you're going to start to learn. I just have a feeling he's very intuitive. This guy, very open. Um, and this was back in 1994. God, that was so long ago. Whatever. Anyways, it was a while ago. Um, and so when he came back again, you know, we had several long conversations. I loved talking to him. He was there for a few weeks and he actually was a pilot for um, a very wealthy man in Saudi Arabia. And he lived in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Okay. So before he left, he said, it was like on the last day he was visiting his dad, he said, if you could do anything, anything you wanted, that just, just for the joy of it, what would it be? 
And at the time I was singing and I wanted a music career and I was writing songs. Sandcastle Dreams was one of them. Um, And uh, Step by Step, I put those two, those are the two I had written that I really wanted. He said, okay, actually, no, I hadn't written those yet. I take that back. I hadn't written those songs yet, but I had been writing for several years since I was a kid. I wrote poetry and then lyrics and, and I wanted to sing. That's what I wanted to do. So I said, I'd record some demos. I'd go after a music career. And he, he said, well, what if, what if someone paid for you just to go do that in the studio? Cause I wanted to be a Disney. It was so funny. I wanted to be a, um, a session singer, someone who sang on for Disney in the right. cartoons. I didn't want to be in the for, forefront. I just wanted my voice. I, I wanted to sing in the studio. So he said, what if someone gave you the money? Would you do it? And I said, yes. He said, all right, I'm going to wire you money. I said, well, I need voice lessons. Like, I'm not that good. I, I love to sing. And he said, well, all you have to do is promise me this. No matter what happens or doesn't happen out of this, you are going to have as much fun as you possibly can through this entire experience. He said, do you want me to give you receipts? What, I mean, what do you want from me? Because it was weird. It was the first time someone had like just gifted me and he was gifting me $10,000. But wow. I was so conscious about every penny. I literally sent him an accounting. He didn't ask for it, but I did. I was like so paranoid. Like I didn't understand the gifting thing because I did, wasn't raised like that. Like gifts in my, my life were you got chains attached. Not strings, chains. Right. And those chains have balls and spikes and probably fire. Mm-hmm. So this was something new for me. Um, but I had been writing in my journal for a long time. I want to sing in career. I want to put my songs out there. I want to be a songwriter. So he got home to Saudi Arabia and literally wired the money into my bank account. I hired the, one of the best vocal coaches in the world. His name was Maestro David Kyle. He lived here in Al-Kai, the wonderful man. He trained Ann Wilson of Heart. He trained um, Kenny... What's who's the one that plays the instrument? Not um, God bless. He trained he trained him in breath work. Um, long hair, eighties. Think Kenny G. I think so, Kenny G. So he he Linda Ronstadt was one of his students. Like he was very well wow. known. He was the maestro of the Philharmonic prior to moving to Alki Beach. Super okay. eccentric wonderful gay man, long white hair. He looked like Beethoven. He was awesome. So I Michael took Bolton. Michael Bolton. Bolton. No, it was Kenny He's G. A- Kenny G. Kenny G did the uh, clarinet. Yes, that was him. He taught okay. him breath. Okay. So Maestro Kyle took me on as a student and I got to pay him for all of it. I told him the story and he's like, wonderful. He had this like very extra, wonderful. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Like whenever I'd show up for my singing lessons, he would be on the beach walking in front of his house at Alki. Mm-hmm. And he'd be beautiful doing the place. scales. He'd be yes. la, 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 la. So anyways, um, he paid for that. And then it paid for me to go into the studio, work with the producer and put down a demo. So I wrote in between the time that we met and talked, I wrote Sandcastle Dreams, which I shared in my group, right? That mm-hmm. video. Um, nothing was going on at that time. It's just something that came to me. 
I prayed and I said, God, I want to write a song that's going to be a good song and it's got meaning and it's got heart. Just help me write it. So I wrote that and recorded that. And I wrote a song called Step by Step, which I hate. It was about a guy that I was dating in California. Um, it's okay, I guess. It's got a good upbeat for the 80s, 90s. It was okay. Um, I think I just hate the subject matter. So I recorded that mm -hmm. song too. And then while I was in the studio, all hell broke loose with my three-year-old, apparently. I found out a few weeks later. Um, and this guy, you know, I sent him copies and he was super happy about it. He's like, that's all I wanted you to do. How'd it feel? I said, it felt amazing. And then everything fell apart and we lost contact because I found out while I was in the studio, my daughter was molested. And so that created this downward spiral and there were many spiritual battles that had happened you read in my book that led up to this point of separation right um but just from the standpoint of answering your questions when did i first start realizing manifestation it wasn't until after that first thing that happened mm -hmm. with the book and this man after leaving the state of washington defeated and victimized went to california raged on men angry at God, my guides, my angels. How dare you do this to me? Where are you? I hate you. Why would you let this happen? Years. Went to counseling, finally stabilized, and then realized religion's not answering the story here. Like, there's got to be more to this. Right. And then I got on my knees because I was very suicidal. I didn't think I could handle life anymore. And I just said, you guys need to come. You need to talk to me. You, you, you need to be here for me. Like, I'm, I, I can't do this. I want to know there's got to be something more that the church can't answer. There's got to be something more. By then I had left the church long before, like a few years before. Mm -hmm. Because they wanted me to stay with the abusive husband, fundamental Christian church. Stay with the abusive mm -hmm. husband. He is the head of you as God is to the church. I'm like, that is not good enough for me. So anyways, um, mm -hmm. during that time period, Brindy was maybe not even four yet. Maybe four is around 1995. Um, I started to have the strangest stuff happen when I started to pray again and I started to journal and I started to do automatic writing and I started to let my gifts come out after I grieved and all this information I, started coming. Can I ask a question about that grieving process? Mm-hmm. Because I went through something similar, like when I was 18, I just more or less gave the middle finger to upstairs yep. and um, said, thanks, I got it from here. Um, and I've been trying to work the process coming back into a spiritual life. Um, I have a hard time with organized religion. Me and too. I... Um, have always been spiritual. I believe in God and um, all creator, all powerful. And I believe if I give him an opportunity, he definitely talks with me and everything. But it's, uh, it's kind of like when you're really upset, when do you, you know, when does that pendulum swing back type of situation? Well, how did that look? When, well, and I here's mean, the first thing that everybody needs to remember or understand. Mm -hmm. God never leaves. God right. 
never abandons us. We disconnect. And God just waits. Source energy just waits. The angels can't intervene. They can't, our spirit guides can't intervene with our free will. So we say, got it from here. All they can do is sit up there and go tapping their feet. Okay, have you had enough? Because <laughs> the universe and God always says yes. Yeah. Right? So you say, I, I got it from here. And the universe goes, yep. Hands off. No interfering with free will. Right. So for me, it was when I hit a desperate place of wanting to kill myself and not, and, and literally feeling like this is it. I can't do this. I can't take, I was having problems with Brindy's behavior. Um, I was having problems with having meaningful work. Relationships were a joke. Like I felt completely alone and I missed that feeling right. of knowing I had angels and knowing God was connected to me. And then I was like, I don't understand. I want to understand. I don't want to read the Bible right now. There has to be more. So if you're listening, send me more. And then it started to come. I asked for a teacher prior to that, back in 1992, when I went through all of the spiritual warfare stuff. Mm -hmm. And loudly, audibly, they said, you don't get one. Not for the reason that you think. We don't want you corrupted by man's teachings. We want it to come through pure. We will teach you if you're willing and you'll listen. And I'm like, okay, fine. And back then, any of the ways there, we didn't have the internet. Right. There was, you know, God, there weren't any metaphysical stores that I knew of back in the early 90s. I don't know of any. I know that there was like gypsy psychics around because I talked to a couple of them. But really, it was go to the library. And I didn't even know what to look up. I didn't even know the word metaphysical because in the church growing up in the Catholic Church, the Christian church, those oh, words weren't used. Yeah. So where do you go for this information? And funny enough, just the weirdest things started happening, Angie. Mm -hmm. First, there was the Celestian prophecy. So then I went to the library and asked them, can you help me find this author? And I went and oh my God, there's this whole entire like subject matter. And from the Celestian prophecy, I fell into, um, and I don't remember how that happened because they didn't have it at the library. Something happened and I was directed to reading the Seth material by Jane Roberts. And that, holy crap, changed my life. Then I started to read about channeling. Then I started to open my gifts up and operate in a more conscious way because I've always had gifts, but they weren't like controlled. It was just mm -hmm. willy nilly whenever it happened, you know, what do you want now? Like that's the way it was. Everything was out of control. So I started to study about how to use my gifts, like what they were for. Mind you, no one had ever told me this was in my late twenties. No one told me my dad, none of the family ever talked about it. I didn't find out until my dad moved in with me after 2004. His mother was a psychic and a healer in Hawaii. Oh, wow. oh yeah. It would have been nice to have that information. Thanks. Yeah. She died when I was like six months old. So, and, and there's a lot of religious folks in the line of 12 children that my dad comes with. So, mm -hmm. And he was Catholic, but my grandma was 
Catholic too. That's what I don't get. Anyways, so there's all of that. Like, I just began to study my butt off. And the more I studied the Seth material, the, which is what Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, that's what got her into studying the law of attraction, Seth material. It talked about quantum physics. It talked about creating your personal reality. It talked about all these things. And my mind and my heart and my spirit just lit up. And when I began to work consciously to channel and to meditate, then I began to learn how to manifest. And my guides came in super clean and started to help me with all of that. Yeah. Okay. And this was in your 20s. Mm -hmm. You were, you had a five-year-old about this time, right? 29. So she was four or five years old. Yeah. Okay. And this is back about 29. It wasn't until my, until I hit 30 that I think everything pretty much fell into place. And here's the deal. I was afraid for the, my whole life that I was going to die before I hit 30. I just knew I was going to die. I don't know. Mine was 30. Mine was 32. I think that's interesting. 30 or 33. (laughs) Those two years. So before mm-hmm. my 30th birthday, I was terrified I was going to die. I just knew I was going to die. And I didn't know why. I just knew I was going to die. I didn't die. At one point, I didn't care. I was hoping and nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> right? Like, please, please. It wouldn't happen. Yeah. So, yep. So that's how old I was. Okay. And so about this time, you're back in California. I'm back in San Diego. Yep. And you're working with horses. Nope. I was working in, at that time, I was, I had a job at um, an interior design firm and graphic design firm. And I did marketing. And then I worked in biotech and engineering, um, a, a product manufacturing company. And then I ended up working my way up into doing marketing. Um, business development and sales. And I was the director of business development for this big leasing company. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to picture the day to day with your working and then kind of like at night or dealing with I your barely daughter. slept. I literally, I, I, I was, I'm a Sag. Like right. I could live on very little sleep at that age. I could live mm-hmm. on very, very little food. You know, I, I powered myself with caffeine, cigarettes, and snicker bars for the first, like, probably 30-something years of my life. That was my, you know, that was my thing. And mm-hmm. I, even, I even had a membership to the gym. Like, I went to the gym, too. Like I, was, I was usually up 3 or 4 in the morning and going. My day didn't end at work until 7 o'clock at night half the time. And then I would go to the gym. We'd eat, and then I'd go to sleep. I usually didn't go to sleep. I put Brittany to sleep, take a quick nap, get up and study. You would study. Okay. Um, Yes. Where did your teachers, where did the books come from? Um, You know, it's, I I know it's like, yeah, it's. I was led from thing to thing to thing. This, okay. So one of the things I use in my readings is this book and this little. I can't read it. It says this. The scriptures of angel magic, okay. which also came with this little bag, which you can't even read the front anymore. I don't even know what it says. Holy angel Oracle. 
okay? And they're these little talisman things with Hebrew, the angel names written in Hebrew, right? So when I do your monthly forecast and your mm -hmm. weekly forecast, I pull an angel card and the description of the angel and what the message is is in this cute little book, the, the scriptures of angel magic. Where did I get it? I don't right. even remember or know. There is no author. There is no copyright on this. Literally, I have yet to be able to find it again. I've never seen it. I've looked online. I have no idea where the hell this came from. I think That's it awesome. was mailed to me. If I remember, like I have a vague memory back then. This was so many years ago. I have a vague memory of seeing something in like a Reader's Digest magazine or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and you call a number and you order it. I have a bit, it was like maybe $12, some sort of advertisement. I, I think, I think, mm -hmm. but I'm not positive of any of that, but I'm telling you no author, no copyright, no publishing house. There's nothing in here. There's like, literally look at this all. I don't know if you can see it. That's the very first page. Like there's no copyright to this. I'm like, where did this come from? You look on the inside cover. There's nothing written there. That's wild. So I don't know where it came from, honey. But stuff like that was happening all the time. And so when I was working for the leasing company, I really, I was so broke all the time, like constantly mm -hmm. struggling to pay my bills. And I'm like, okay, this is not working for me. If this stuff is real that I've been reading and manifesting is real, like I can actually create my own reality, like, the Seth material talks about and stuff, then tell me how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so spirit began to teach me, but all of that time period of study and healing, I was also going through the very work that I teach everybody in charm life. You haven't taken charm life yet, but I was going through all the stuff of healing. They had already been taking me through that. And then it started to push into more manifesting, more universal law, more studying. I was studying numerology. I was studying astrology. I was studying so many things. And finally, I just said, all right, because they said, you're going to teach this. And I'm like, I ain't teaching nothing until I know this works. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, what do you want? This is my guides I'm talking about. What do you want? And I said, I want a house on the water, on the beach. I lived in Mission Bay um, and up, up above Mission Bay in San Diego. And I said, I want, I want a place on the actual ocean, the beach. And they said, do you really believe that you can manifest a million bucks or more? Cause that's what it's going to take. And I was like, I probably can't even afford the taxes for that house. I was like, mm -hmm. no, I don't believe it. And they said, well, then it's not going to work. So then I said, fine, whatever. I still want, I'll take a condo. I'll take one a block from the beach, but I really just want to be on the water. That's what I said to them. And I wrote it all down. They said, write it down. So I did. Mm -hmm. And I went to sleep that night. And in the middle of the night before I woke up, um, I had a dream and I saw an angel and the angel said, go live in a boat. How about a boat? Can't get any closer than that. And I was like, I don't know how to drive a boat. I don't like <laughs> sailboats. They're stinky. Right? Mm -hmm. I'd been on one and I was like, I don't like sailboats. They, they're dark and dank. I, I, they said, just look it up. So I went and got um, a boat trader and to my surprise, oh my God, you can actually buy a power boat, a yacht, like big, large boat and live on it. So I started to check into it. I'm like, oh, 
I had already wrote a list. I want a two bedroom, two bath, washer, dryer, you know, or not washer, dryer, a two bedroom, two bath with my own bathtub. And you know, that's what I wanted. Light and bright, airy, um, nice sun deck, all of these things. I wrote that all down when I agreed, okay, I'll go for a boat. I didn't have any money in the bank. I kid you not. I didn't have a savings account. What the hell's a savings account? Oh, you forgot one other thing. What? This is the part I love. You forgot your bathtub. My bathtub. No, I did ask for a bathtub. Yeah. I, I know, but you didn't Had mention to have that one. Part. Had to yeah. have one because mm -hmm. I baths are my thing. Like water is my thing. So I wrote all of that down. I didn't ask for a wash and dryer. Wish I had. Oh, <laughs> um, and then I just started, I started shopping and I got super excited about it because they said, okay, it's going to happen. And I'm like, I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to win the lottery. That's how it's going to happen. Cause that's all I could imagine at the time. Mm -hmm. And they just kept saying, just don't attach how this is going to happen. Just, just hope, just believe. I'm like, okay, fine. So I, I got so excited. I started telling people I'm going to buy a boat, I'm shopping for a boat. And I was buying, I was buying all the boat traders and I was looking and I was visiting, there was a boat, a um, couple boat shows, but I, I missed them because I was traveling for work. Like I went about every two or three weeks, I had to travel to another city to do a trade show for the company because I ran the business development side and I had a whole sales team I was in charge of. So I was constantly traveling. And um, at that time too, this is a whole other story, Brandy and I were separated for a short time there while they were yeah. diagnosing her because she was having a bunch of behavioral problems. Yeah. That's a long story. We're not going to get into that today. Anyways. Yeah. So I was alone and I really needed, I really needed to focus on something. And yeah. so I put all my might into that creation of that boat. And I was like, went to work and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to buy a boat and I'm going to live on the boat. And I found the perfect marina. It's right down the hill from my house. You know, I can do this and had no idea how hard it would be to qualify for the loan. Right. And then people are starting to tell me, you know, it's harder to, to get a loan for a boat than a house because it's rolling inventory. I was like, what's rolling inventory? They're like, you could float away. You could like, there's no tangible like in one place. And I was like, oh, and they're like, have you ever owned a house? I'm like, no, but I'm going to get a boat. <laughs> Don't talk me out of it. <laughs> um, and so I was talking about it and excited about it. And my boss at the time, crazy as she was, she was into the whole spiritual thing. She knew I was a, a psychic and a medium because every time I'd walk into her office at different times, I would smell a pipe and I would ask her things like, Hey, were you smoking a pipe? She goes, what's it smell like? I'm like cherry tobacco. It's kind of a weird musky sweet smell. And she's like, are you psychic? And I went, Shh, don't. And she goes, that's my father or my grandfather. She goes, he smoked a pipe. And then I saw his aura and I was like, yeah, he's here. She goes, I know he's always around me. And she goes, now, what's this I hear all over the office? You're going to buy a boat. Wow. And I told her, and she said, what do you need from me? I said, I need, I need to make a down payment or something. Like, I, I need help coming up. She goes, we'll do whatever you need. Go talk to the accountant. We'll figure out how to help you qualify for the loan. She said, and we have this job coming up with our sister company. Um, and 
we were paying $75,000 for this marketing agency to do all of their marketing materials, their logos. At that time, it was all print marketing. So their, their letterhead, their logo, their website, which I also did, all the print materials, all their brochures, all of that. Um, and I was like, okay, I can do that. And she goes, you only have seven days. Because if I pull it from this other company, that was their deadline. Oh. And she said, but we don't want to pay 75000 And I was like, all right. Wow. She goes, how much money do you want? And he's like, well, I don't really have these. She goes, you've been doing all of our marketing stuff in-house. I was like, I guess yeah. I'll do it for twenty five grand." And she's like, you can't do it during business hours. It has to be on your own time. And it's got to be done. And I was like, fine. Found the boat, did the marketing materials, got the $25,000 from start to finish. Two weeks later, I was driving away in my new boat. Two bedroom, two bath, 38 foot sport fishing boat. And we lived on that boat for two years and had the time of our lives. I can just imagine you driving down the coast going, okay, where do I go? Where do I park it? Well, I couldn't even, so I couldn't even drive it when I took ownership of it. The broker who um, brokered the deal, because no one would even show me boats initially, because I looked like I was 12. Right. Right. And I didn't know how to drive a boat. So the guy who, who brokered the deal for me was super sweet guy that ran the marina where I ended up, um, ended up parking my boat. That's where I lived. And we were allowed to have level boards, right? I had one of the bigger boats. I literally, I think mine was the second biggest boat in that marina. Um, <laughs> so he had to go with me to pick it up. I looked all over. My ex-boyfriend flew me to Oxnard to look at a couple boats that were just horrible, all mm -hmm. circling around into finding the boat right in downtown San Diego, right by where my office was, where I worked. And it was exactly what I wanted. It had a bathtub, two bedrooms, two baths. It was perfect. And he drove it when I took ownership. He actually drove it for me until we got out into the ocean. Cause you have to go from San Diego Harbor out into the ocean, come back in to the Marina in mission Bay. Wow. So he, okay. he let me drive it in the ocean. He taught me how to drive it. And then we got to the Harbor and into the Marina and there's tides and all these things you have to worry about. And he's like, okay, move right. over. <laughs> like, let me park this puppy. And I was like, I don't know how to drive the boat, John. Like, what do I do? And he said, you'll find somebody. But if you can't find anyone, I'll come give you lessons. So we parked the boat and I owned the boat. And then I met a guy that lived aboard, an older guy, Al, had a boat, three boats down for me. And we started talking. He said, I'll teach you how to drive your boat. And that next weekend, he took me out, taught me how to spin my boat around, how to read the tide, how to slide it in when there was a tide and how to pull it out without anybody getting hit because that was a deal um it was a big boat like so i learned how to draw drive a two engine power boat and god just kept lining everything up everything up and it was the most exciting time of my life i rescued a dog a husky who became my best friend and helped me heal all my mother issues she died. what was the husky's name shasta Ah, <laughs> yeah, she died. I had to put her down in 2006 because she had throat cancer. Um, but she was 14. We had an amazing time. We had an amazing adventure. She was an amazing dog. 
Um, but that's when I learned how to manifest. That was the first thing. And I said, if you teach me and I can let the, make this happen, someday I promise you I will teach how to do it. And that was the first one. And that was a big one. 25 grand in a week? Yeah. Like, boom. A boat? Exactly what my list says? Is it that easy, God? I'm like, oh my God. Like, it was that. It was happening just like that. Boom, 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 boom. Me and Brindy came back together. She moved on to the boat. And we just had, like, from that point forward, everything was magical. And I realized that a lot of it had to do with my belief system. So then they took me even deeper into the work that I teach into charm. Let's dig into your beliefs. Let's start to clear this stuff. Let's start to really get you to the place where your faith becomes unshakable. And I studied more and I studied more and I learned more and then I had more devastation and then I had to pick it back up again, had to work through all of these things. And then I moved on to the farm and that was one of my dreams. After two years on the boat, like you get kind of cramped. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little <laughs> confining with a kid on a boat. We had fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like my daughter spent her weekends at the end of the dock fishing and then she'd catch a fish. And I taught her when you caught a fish, you had to kiss the fish, say thank you, and then throw it back. And I swear to God, she caught the same fish like a hundred times. Poor thing had so many hooks in its mouth, like holes. I don't know why it kept eating her bait. I was like, oh my God. But, um, so yeah, we, we had these just amazing adventures, went to Mexico, went to Catalina, like always protected. And I just kept studying and working through my issues. And then my grandfather died while we were living on the boat. And that was the first time that I realized that I was a psychic, like really for real, a medium. Like he, cause he, I learned things about him. I had no idea. I didn't have a good relationship with my grandparents. They were very angry people. Okay. And when he died, I got a call that his funeral was happening and there was this big family drama. My mom was yeah. going to be there. My grandmother's going to be there and they wanted me to go. And I was totally, I'm like, no, I had a bad experience at a funeral before I'm not going. And right. I said a prayer and I called out to my grandfather. I said, I don't know where you are right now wherever you are, no offense, I ain't going. And then I hear his voice. And I was like, wait a minute, what the hell? And he's like, don't feel bad that you're not going. I'm, I'm going to be there. I'll tell you what happened. I was like, what is happening right now? Like, and it sounded just like him. And we began to interact and have conversations. And I learned that he had a sense of humor when he was younger. I was like, no. And he was funny. He was making jokes. He goes, and I was like, why does my mom hate me so much? And he's like, she's not my daughter. She's the milkman's. I was like, oh my God. So then I called my aunt and I said, this is going to sound really weird, but did grandpa ever have a sense of humor? And she goes, oh, when he was working, when he was younger. Yeah. He had a great sense of humor. Never around your grandmother though. Never. And I was like, so it was confirmed. Right. And I'm mm -hmm. like, holy crap, I am talking to my grandfather. And then the day of his funeral, he had told me, don't plan anything that day because I'm going to give you the play-by-play. -play. So I sat up on my, on my driving deck on my boat with coffee, and I was alone that day. And here I am, God, people must have thought I was crazy talking to myself. And I remember he gave me the literal play-by-play -play of what was happening. 
that entire day through his funeral and what a flipping mess it was. And then the next day, everything that happened beyond that. Yeah. And I was like, he stayed with me for a couple of weeks. Um, and then it was confirmed too. everything he told me that my grandmother and my mother got in a huge fight. They both ended up in the mental hospital. I'm like, Oh my God. What? Yes. It was a, it was a mess. This is why I didn't want to go. The funeral right. was in, was in like Las Vegas or Reno or so, Carson city. And I didn't want to go. I was like, I'm not, I'm nothing to do with this family. No, I'm not going. Yeah. Um, so my grandpa's just giving like a referee. Oh, you'll never believe what's happening. And I was like, this is insane. So yeah, it was confirmed. Everything he told me, I, I, I confirmed with my aunt and I remember calling her and said, okay, I'm going to ask you another strange question. And I was like, did someone end up in the mental hospital? She goes, oh, not just one, honey. <laughs> and then I heard the story. I was like, this is crazy. And I didn't tell any of them. You know, mm -hmm. they were all very fundamentally Christian and, and Catholic. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but that's when I realized I was an actual, like it was bona fide. You can talk to dead people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right after that. So that whole, like that time period in my life just like set me on this huge course. But before mm -hmm. I ever left Washington, when I was looking to move to San Diego, I was having dreams and visions. And they told me at that time in 1994, I believe, mm -hmm. that in five years time, or no, it was 1995, in five years, <clears throat> you're going to move to Colorado and you're going to have another child. And I was like, that's hilarious. Hey, <laughs> I hate Colorado. I've never been there. I don't want to go. And B, I ain't having any more kids. Like I'm a single, I'm not, no, it's not going to happen, but that's cool. See you later. I'm going to San Diego. And then all of these things transpired. Um, and then I ended up on my ranch, right? So you um, go from a boat to a ranch. You so go I got, from yeah, I got tired of living on the boat and, and it was just getting more cramped and I started to get into horses again. Um, and that was my passion. That was my from the time I was a child, I wanted to be in the Olympics until I realized they didn't make any money. And my dad always told me like, oh, it's a nice hobby, but you can't make any money at it. Right. Well, I had shown horses and, and rode race horses and broke them and trained them to go onto the track. I'd rehabilitated horses. So when I was done with the boat, I was like, I want to go back to land, but I want to go back to land with animals. And I'd already owned um, one horse. I'd rescued one. And I then bought one for Brindy and we were kind of in transition. We were renting a house. Plus we still own the boat and I was in the process of selling the boat. And I was like, I needed a new career because the leasing mm -hmm. company shut down and I was doing marketing stuff and I didn't want to do it anymore. I had a new boyfriend. He had a head hunting company. We were doing business together and we worked that company together. And then I decided with the money from the sale of my boat, I wanted to go start a horse business. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to follow my joy. And spirit said, yes, you can do that. So I did. And I was hugely successful from the get-go. Um, and then one morning I woke up and apparently the timer went off and it was like, it's been five years, time to go to Colorado. What? <laughs> this is like wow. 2000, like September, it was August, 2000. Right. Yeah. The beginning of August of 2000, you're going to Colorado. And I'm like, why? Like, 
no. <laughs> and funny enough, the guy I was dating at the time I was engaged to was oh. from Denver. So all I knew was Denver. And I was like, I hate Denver. Denver's nasty. <laughs> and so um, everything <clears throat> fell apart in a 24-hour time period. I woke up one morning from a dream and they said, it's time to go. I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you'll see. Get up. Go out to the barn. It's time to go. And that guy was a recovered alcoholic, fell off the wagon, disappeared, cleared out the entire bank account, all of my money, mm -hmm. gone. Everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is happening right now? Because my office mm -hmm. was in the barn. So everything just literally 24 hours, boom, time to go. His family was threatening to come after me. They blamed me for him relapsing. I didn't even know he was an alcoholic. All I knew was that he didn't drink. And yeah, um, I got the place packed up, told my boarders and my clients, I'm sorry, you guys can have the hay. I got to go. Called a, a domestic violence company that moved you, got an emergency mm -hmm. move into a storage unit. I took off to, to Sedona and, to meditate and take a time out. I asked Spirit if I could, um, sent my daughter to stay with my friend for four days and went to Sedona, talked to some people and went to a retreat there, slept in a teepee for four days, went hiking, talked to Spirit. That's all in, in my Charm Life book. Um, and they, I was like, I don't want to go to Denver. And they're like, you're not going to Denver. I was like, well, where am I going? And the people that are staying with were very spiritual. And they had been led their whole lives by Archangel Michael, who was one that had been showing up in my life since I was in my 20s, early 20s. So um, I went in and talked to them and I said, it's going to sound really weird. And they're like, nothing sounds strange, Jess. I'm like, okay, here's the story. Told them about the vision I had when mm. all that stuff happened with Brandy. Told them about the five-year warning. Told them that, you know, here I am and it's five years and I'm supposed to move to Colorado. It's not Denver, but I don't know anything. I've never, they said, here, look at this area right here on the map. And it was like the four corners of Colorado where Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, and Colorado map meet. Right. And I said, yeah, okay, but I don't know where to go there. They said, why don't you leave here and just take a tour, go to this town first, which was Pagosa Springs and make mm -hmm. a loop. Just do the loop of Colorado. Go up through Denver, Steamboat Springs. We went to Telluride. I got altitude sickness in Steamboat and Telluride. Come back down and went to Vegas for a night and then drove back to San Diego and got my daughter. By the time I got back to San Diego from, from, um, got to San Diego from Las Vegas, my oh, friend God. that went with me, because he was very lost at the time, um, he was still very lost. And I was like, I'm going to move to Colorado. And I think this is the area. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote down my list. I need a two bedroom, two bath light bright where I can at least have two of my horses, at least right. two of the eight. I had eight, um, came back, liquidated the farm, rehomed and sold, um, six of my horses called a horse transport company, had them, um, get ready to move. I made three phone calls and I told spirit, I will move to Colorado. If you do this, I want, Two bedroom, two bath with acreage. My horses can be in the backyard. I want it to be safe. I want Shasta to be able to be there. I'm like, and I can't pay more than like, if you're going to send me to the middle of nowhere and I don't know what I'm going to do for work, you make it happen for under 500 a month, I'll go. And I did not think that was possible. 
I did right. not. Almost like, ain't gonna happen. I'm staying in California. Mm-hmm. Three flipping phone calls. Two bedroom, two bath on two and a half acres. No credit check. You can get here Wednesday, ready to go. Oh, by the way, it's lease, lease to own if you want. I'm like, I just got to get there. I don't even know what I'm going to do for work. I'm like, you don't need a credit check? He's like, nope, don't need anything. Sound like a nice girl. Excuse me? I sound like a nice girl. Like, that's it? He said, yeah, see you Wednesday. Wait, what? $450 a month. That's how much my rent was. Plus utilities and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I never, I I paid $450 a month to rent a room when I was 18, to rent Mm -hmm. a room, not a piece of property with a fairly brand new, you know, single wide mobile home. Like I was like with my horses, like I paid, I charged $225 a month to board horses. So I knew like $450 couldn't happen, $500 couldn't happen because that's what it would cost just to board horses. Right. Nah. 450. They they did me one better. And all I heard was laughter from my guides. And then they said, you're going. And I went, shit. <laughs> packed the moving truck, like got the movers to meet me at the storage unit, packed a U-Haul or Penske truck. I don't even remember. I think it was, oh, it was Ryder, the yellow one. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Put my car in the back on a, tr- on a dolly and off we went to Colorado. Sight unseen, knew nobody, middle of flipping nowhere not knowing what I was going to do for work and moved and my entire life became a walk with spirit from then on. And then I stepped into, I got there and I'm like, okay, I'm here. Now what? Like, how am I going to feed my kid? Like I had $800 to my name before I left California Mm -hmm. for the moving truck at 800 bucks. So I had my first month's rent. They didn't care about a deposit. Oh, we don't care you sound like a nice lady. I'm like, you are freaking crazy. You people I'm in San Diego going, we don't do that kind of stuff here. Right. Get there. And I, I looked around at jobs, marketing jobs paid 10 bucks an hour. I'm like 10 bucks. an hour. I didn't even make that little when I was 18 as a secretary, 10 bucks an hour. You people are out of your minds. Started giving horseback riding lessons. Couldn't charge because nobody rode wet English there. I was like one mm-hmm. of the only English jumping trainers there. It was all Western got a um, couple clients out of that. And then I was like, I can't live on like $60 a week. Like you guys have got to be kidding me. You did brought me all the way here for this. And all of a sudden this thing came into my email about getting readings like from the site. And I was like, oh, you want me to get a reading? I was like, cool, whatever. Are they going to tell me what I'm supposed to do for work? And all of a sudden audibly I heard, no, you're going to give them. And I went, what? This brand new site. I'm like, mm-hmm. give them. I don't know how to give readings other than, you know, doing tarot and, and, you know, my gifts aren't that controlled yet. Like, oh my God, they're going to put me on the spot. Like, can you get paid to be a psychic? I'm like, is that even pay? And they said, just sign up and give readings. And I was like, fine. Got on 79 cents a minute the first day. I made $45. Wow. And I was like, shit, really? And then I kept my prices there for a couple of weeks, built up some clientele and a rating. A few weeks later, I raised to 89 cents and then I raised to 99 cents. And within a couple of months, I raised to like $1.29, $1.99. Next thing you know, I'm making like unbelievable money. I'm, my schedule is always booked. 
Like every, I've got a line of clients waiting to talk to me because it was a brand new site. Like I had really good feedback. And I'm like, this is insane. This is insane. Like, how did all this happen? And that's how it all started. And on that property, I ended up within six months, I ended up buying that property from the owner. I, I ended mm -hmm. up doing um, a lease to own, not even six months. I think it was within the first three months I, I changed it from rental to lease to own because someone was trying to buy it. The guy ended up being my next door neighbor instead. Um, and then within, it was the first, let's see, Bella was born in 2002. I moved there in September. I got there right before Labor Day weekend, 2000. Started working. Um, it says 2001 on Keen, which is weird because I know it was 2000. Like I know it was. Mm -hmm. Um beyond a shadow of a doubt it might have been 2001 i might have my years wrong it might have been 2001 i got there in in labor day weekend or last weekend of summer is that labor day or memorial day uh labor day is the last weekend in september or was, the first weekend in september yeah i was getting messed up so august i left california 2001 moved to san diego i mean moved to colorado and started giving readings within a couple of weeks of being there and yeah ever since and well, 2001 was when 9-11 happened. Yes. Yes. And that's also right afterwards, I kept having dreams about this little boy named Joshua. who kept saying, you're my mom. And that five-year mark had hit with the move. And this little kid from San Diego to Colorado kept saying, mommy, mommy. And I'm like, I'm not your mom. Go find you. I'll help you find your mom. Like I thought this mm -hmm. was a spirit that had crossed over and was trying to find their mom. And I was going to meet them together. Because I was doing murder investigations back then and um, missing person stuff back then. That's how okay, I wait just, a second. when I started doing psychic stuff, I didn't just right. dip my toes in the water. I like dove in like a Sagittarius idiot. Okay, so this is back in 2000 or 2001. Mm -hmm. And this is right around when 9 11 happened. Mm -hmm. And so now you're starting to become more and more psychic, um, giving more and more readings and stuff. And your name's starting to get out there, and now law enforcement's starting to approach you, or? No, it had to have been, hold on a minute, let me think. See, the timing back then, this was like 20 years ago. Um, I'm not sure if I moved there in 2000 or if I moved there in 2001. I want to say I moved there in 2000 because Bella was born January 2002. And her dad and I were together on 9-11, 2001. Mm -hmm. She was born January 2002. I had, oh, it was only a few months that I was there actually. So I would have started, what was I doing for work? God, I can't remember how I was earning money to pay my rent. It was instantaneous. They have me listed as working on this site from 2001, but I actually think I started in 2000 there, but it's changed hands many times too, like the right. company. So they may have it wrong. I think it was 2000. It would have been, it would have been October, September, October, 2000 that I started working for them um, because I met her dad in the beginning of 2000 and we ended up because of nine no, 9-11 happened. God, I'm having such a hard time with this. 
the timing, like trying to remember the timing, but we were together because we were home that day that the planes, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, 3.33 and knew something bad was going to happen and turned on. And I didn't ever watch TV, but I turned on the news. And then that was at 6.30 Eastern time. Nothing had happened yet, I don't think. Um, But I just stayed glued to the television, called my friend. And I was like, do you have a weird feeling? Yeah, any kind of funky. And then at nine, whatever, boom. And my uncle died in Oklahoma bombing. So when that happened, me and my husband and my daughter, I kept her home from school. We all, or was she at school? No, she was at school that day. Me and him, though, went to town 45 minutes away to stock up on food and water because I was terrified that, like, this is it. Like, this is the apocalypse. Holy shit, we're all going down. <laughs> okay, you're talking about 9-11 or are you talking about Oklahoma? No, 9-11. On 9-11, like, right. as soon as yeah. the news hit, after that feeling, I was like, oh, my God. Because mm-hmm. it had been several hours I'd been feeling this. We went to town 45 minutes away and stocked up on everything. We got a ton of water, a ton of food, so we wouldn't have to leave home you know, mm-hmm. until we knew what was going on for real, for real. Um, yeah, that was 9-11. I'll never forget that day because I woke up panicked. I woke up knowing something was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I just um, went off on a totally different tangent. Sorry. Yeah. You asked well, me about was, manifesting. We end up talking about all of this. Well, it's, um, it's a, a really good segment. I mean, we covered a lot today. I, know. I mean, we can, you know, uh you know take a break and then i probably yeah. need a break here in a minute yeah um but i just want to tell you real quick with what happened with me with 9-11 is as soon as i turned on the radio and i heard that you know a plane had accidentally at first they thought it accidentally hit and i just instantaneously knew something was wrong i pulled over my vehicle and literally had to get out and get i was physically ill yeah from all that energy and everything <clears throat> i got back in my vehicle and guess where i was going where i was working at the military at the time on the <sighs> west coast so it was yeah i like rolled right into you know, it, it was um a very gut-wrenching day so and a lot of us knew that something was coming so I think, I mean, I remember there were several of us that, because I, as soon as I started working on that site, like a bunch, and this was the weirdest thing about working on that site, like for whatever reason, a bunch of psychics started calling me for readings and I'm like, are you calling me? I'm new at this. Right. And then they, they would keep calling because I was accurate and I'm like, so we became friends, you know, on top of, of doing readings we became friends. So I called a bunch of my psychic friends. And at that time too, I was teaching classes in a Yahoo chat room. Wait, this was right. Back. Um, I had a Yahoo chat room that I, I moderated and I ran for psychic development, went into there, was asking them, what's up? Like, you guys feel anything? And, and I don't remember what happened, whether or not they did. All I remember is talking to my friends and we were all, all of us woken up at around the same time. And it was right around three o'clock or three thirty-three in the morning. And none of us could go back to sleep. We all just had this weird feeling something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it did. It's yeah. just, yeah. That was my entrance. That, that, that's kind of one of the stories that's 
in the book as far as like the whole manifesting thing and the psychic, how I became a psychic, professional psychic working one that got paid for it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, it's a good place to end. I think, I think that kind of gives a good picture. We're not yeah. even, we're not even through. We didn't even cover chapter one of the scary stuff in my book. <laughs> Today was a good day for manifesting where we're going. <laughs> and so, um, no, it's, uh, I've learned a lot. Did you? Um, I did. It's, um, trying to connect with the spirit world and the kind of working world, the real life type of thing. It's hard and to straddle. Trying, yeah, and trying to bring the two together. And it, it's like, yeah, it happened, but how? And that's what's fun is to discover this. Thank you. Well, and you don't have to always like, but my thing too, I think one of the reasons I've been successful at making connection and keeping connection, especially at such a young, you know, I, th I would consider myself young back then. Um, but even to this day, I mean, I'm 53 now. Like, I think a big part of it was just the whole following the magic. Like, this is so fun. Who wouldn't want to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, and it wasn't how is this happening? It was just what's going to happen next? Like, this is super cool what's going to happen next. And if you just maintain that curiosity without knowing or understanding anything, you'll begin to start making that connection where you are, you're able to straddle two worlds like I do. I straddle third dimension and the spiritual realm in a very practical way where they actually can work together. And it's not a bunch of woo woo weirdness. It's just natural, which right. the native Americans have been doing for their entire lives. Oh, I'll figure. <laughs> yeah, right? So. so. Thank you so much for today. Oh, no, God, thank you. Because you literally guided me through that whole story. And I appreciate it. So we'll come back and do more. Um, yes. Let me just say thanks to Angie for for being present and sacred, holding sacred space for this because I don't ever know how to tell my story in such a way where I'm answering someone's questions. One-way dialogues are always hard for me, so this is a blessing for me. Um, and I just want to, yeah, thank everyone for listening. If you want to follow me on Facebook, I'm at Fierce Slayer Bernadette, both on Facebook and Instagram. Follow me on YouTube. Um, Make sure that you subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified to the new podcast because apparently we're going to do this again and we, I have a couple other guests coming on that I'm going to be interviewing and we're going to cover all kinds of topics, spiritual, all things spiritual and psychic development. Um, but yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys have a wonderful day. Blessings to you and we'll see you in the next episode. Abandon fear and trust yourself. Open up to all life's wealth Tap into a sixth sense With intuitive intelligence